0: Welcome back and to series two of The Skin Pod with me, Louise thomas Minns, skin health therapist, educator, product founder and serial entrepreneur. I am excited to bring you once again a whole host of special guests who all have one thing in common, an interest, an obsession in skincare. Before we get going with this week's episode, I want to tell you about the sponsors of this series, which happens to be very close to my heart, as it's Louise Thomas Skincare. A real labour of love uh, that started some 18 years ago um, was to develop and formulate my own signature skincare range. Seven years ago, I started this process and earlier in 2022, I launched the first in the range, The Cleanser. It's really been a tough ride to get to launch, with my vision being quite a simple one. Through my passion, expertise and education, I aim to empower everybody to take control of their skin health. You can learn more about my mission and the products at louisethomasskincare.co.uk.
1: And then I thought, well, maybe YouTube is a good platform for me to just kill some time on. (laughs) Someone asked me how to do a smoky eye and I thought, God, you know what, I could type it out, but actually it will just be easier and nicer. If I film it, well, let me have a pop, that seems fun. (laughs) So I reckon our first check was something like 700 quid and we were like, shit, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that we didn't even know that we could make. We loved that brand, we nurtured that brand, we really cared about it.
0: and industry expert who built an incredible career as an influencer and content creator. Her laid back videos inspiring us all to be more creative with makeup have been seen by millions and I'm delighted to have been able to treat Sam and see firsthand how beautiful her skin really is. Sam, it's a joy to have you as a guest on The Skin Pod. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having
1: me, Louise. I love Skin Pod. That's great.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. T- it took a while that name, and then I was like, "Let's just be really obvious with it."
1: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's good. It's
0: really good. does what it says on the tin. So, for those of you that don't know what you've been up to, it would be really interesting, I think, to roll back to how did you go from makeup artist and I think working for Mac to then creating this platform, this integrated and platform where it was almost like you were one of the first
1: to do this. How did that all happen? It wasn't a planned thing, Louise. I'd been a makeup artist for years and years. My aunt was a makeup artist, so it was just an easy thing to follow in her footsteps. I knew I wasn't very academic, so my choices were really limited. And back when I started doing makeup, it wasn't really a very well-known profession. So There was a lot more opportunities for me in the sense that there was less people doing it. There was obviously less opportunities overall because there weren't so many makeup brands then or whatever. But I do remember Mac coming to the UK in the late 90s and thinking that I would really love to work there because it was such a great kind of happening place and everyone in there looked really cool. The things that you think when you're a teenager. So started working for Mac in the late nineties, I think, ninety-eight or ninety-nine, and I worked there for I think about on and off, five or six years I think. But in the meantime I was doing magazine work. And then I had Lily, who's now 17, and then I got pregnant again four years later with Olivia. By this time I'd left Mac and was freelancing. I got to the point where I had to go on maternity leave and I just needed to do something because I had so much time on my hands while I was waiting for the baby to come, who's now, what, 13? And I know, it's (laughs) mad. And I had heard someone had said to me about, actually, they mentioned podcasts to me way back then. Oh, wow. Yeah, way back then. They said podcasts are going to be a thing. And so I started looking at the whole social media thing and I was very active on forums and stuff like that. I knew how the internet worked. And then I thought, well, maybe YouTube is a good platform for me to just kill some time on. So I started (laughs) uploading, filming myself from the little camera on my MacBook, which was so old back then, Brilliant. and uploading it to YouTube. And I had no idea that it would become an actual thing. Nobody on there was making any money then. Even the term YouTuber didn't exist. People just uploaded videos to YouTube. It wasn't a thing. I'm
0: showing my age here as well. But I remember,
1: was there something called
0: MySpace back then at that point as well? Yes. And and there was people like literally making music in their bedrooms. That's right. And doing all those cliche things, weren't they? And and there was this platform that then you could just put it there. But there was no real end goal to it, was it? It was like, oh, this
1: is cool. It's just a bit of technology where we can share stuff with your friends (laughs) exactly that and it was simply someone asked me how to do a smoky eye and i thought god you know what i could type it out but actually it'll just be easier and nicer if i film it i hadn't put any makeup on my face for ages and i just really enjoyed the whole process of doing it obviously didn't know how to edit so all of the first video i think was like 40 minutes long but you could only load 10 (laughs) minutes up at a time so it was cut down into four videos where i just waffled on and blended for hours (laughs) But yeah, so I had absolutely no idea that it would end up being what it has become. I'd like to say that I saw that, but I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. But I had been, I'd done the whole MySpace thing. I was very active on Facebook. And prior to Facebook, there was another one called Friendster. So I'd been through quite a lot of social media platforms. And then when I came to YouTube, I already roughly knew the platforms. Do you know what I mean? In the sense that I knew how they worked. It wasn't completely alien to me because I had been using them. So it was fine. And I just cracked on from there. And then I think it was maybe it was like another 18 months before someone even mentioned to me that I could make money from the content I was uploading. I had no idea. That was in 2008.
0: Did it just happen like that? That somebody literally went to you, do you realize that actually if you do X, Y, Z, you can start monetizing this? Or were you literally approached by like an agent or a brand that no? So it was just literally somebody
1: going, there's... Yeah, Uh it was someone else that was uploading makeup videos, funnily enough. He was more of a sort of style. He was more of a personality. Do you know what I mean? Like a quirky personality who said that to me. I don't think he does any of that stuff now. But And I was like, really? I didn't even know that YouTube had a, what do they call it? Uh, Whatever it was called then, like a partner program. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea.
0: That side of it did almost seem to literally come from nowhere. It wasn't like they went ta-da, and now you're going to be able to do this and you can partner with brands. and, And you think looking back, did it feel like it literally just like spiraled or was there a real definitive moment where you went, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this a career. Or did it feel like it just almost you're in a band and you write your song and it's played on the radio and then bang, that's it. You're
1: you're out there. It wasn't like that. But I think other people's perception of it is that it was. (laughs) But it wasn't at all like that. It was really, I was off having a baby and then I was doing freelance work on to actually make money and doing other jobs. And I also had a makeup school where I would teach makeup. And that was just a oh, thing yes. I was doing. Exactly, all that time ago. So it was just a thing that I was doing in my spare time because I enjoyed it. And then Nick started helping me with it. And when I say helping me, She wasn't actually helping me. She just was like, oh, well, let me have a pop. That seems fun. (laughs) So it wasn't like, oh, we were working towards some big kind of scheme. We didn't know it was going to go where it went. And really, we didn't make any money, I don't think, for two years. And then I think when we finally did realize we could monetize it, and we monetized it, I reckon our first check was something like 700 quid. And we were like, shit, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that we didn't even know that we could make. So suddenly we were like, it's, we were on a roll. But really, I'm not on the platform YouTube. I pay for an account on YouTube, but I don't have an account that I do makeup on yeah. anymore. So I don't really know how that works now. But back in the early days, and I say the early days, I mean four years into our career on YouTube, when suddenly social media did become a thing. And suddenly we were in a prime position to take advantage of having that audience who were really interested in what we said and at a point where we could actually push it out and make it into a business and make money and see that there was a clear path forwards. I don't think it works like that now. I don't think that's an option now. There may be ways. I mean, I'm sure there is a partner program, but I doubt that you're enumerated to the same degree that we were back then because they really wanted to incentivize everything. Because they wanted to get more people to upload their content and create stuff. And really, as YouTube has grown, it's pushed more towards TV and professional content now. Whereas back in the day when we started, it was very much pushed towards content creators, people in their bedrooms, just uploading stuff. But it's just a different audience now. I think, because people are so savvy to that stuff.
0: Yeah. And that was their way as well, wasn't it? Of growing there and creating their awareness around their brand. Yeah. So it was cut. They must have gone, well, this is amazing. We've got all these people that are putting great content out and actually drawing loads of people to make an account. And there wasn't really that need for that transparency back then, was there? Because it was so new. And at the same time, it was transparent because you totally knew that if somebody was saying, here's a brilliant brush or I love this lipstick. You're promoting a brand. And I I do think with you and with Nick, that still felt quite genuine. I think you were always slightly ahead of the curve with understanding that you would say, well, I've bought this myself or, well, I've been asked to talk about this, so I'm going to. Mm. It
1: was years and years before brands had money to put into like brand partnerships were so far down the line, I think maybe another two years down the line from when we actually started making money through YouTube. So the thing with making money through YouTube is that not everybody can. You have to get a certain amount of views in order for it to be at all financially viable. Let's say you get a certain amount of views and you make 159 quid, right, that month. Yeah. Well, that will just roll over until you hit 200 quid. So it will just keep rolling over month after month, right? So there's only a certain amount of people that are really making a lot of money because you have to put out the content that people want to watch because it was all based on a CPM. So how many views you got? And that was simple. So it was completely simple. It wasn't like people seem to think there's like real smoke and mirrors involved. It wasn't. If you were popular, you could monetize it and make money. And that was it. It was all based on views. It wasn't based on whether someone clicked through and bought something or followed you or anything like that. It was just views. Now it's more complicated because I think it's retention, views. And the problem with that is that because there's so many other benchmarks you have to reach to make money, it means that because people want to have a long amount of retention to get more plays, people make their videos very short to get... And that's why Ah, attention span gets very small on stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. So a lot of how we consume our media is really very much manipulated by The algorithm of what they want us to show in order for anyone to make money, for the content creator to make money. But I think when brands came along that wanted to actually put money into it, so I remember our first job was with Avon. Was it? Our first job was with Chanel, actually. And it was these. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. I know, right? It was these tattoos, these like body tattoo things. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, that was our first. I think we probably got paid 50 quid. It was, but it was like, that was like, oh, but my God, we're Chanel. working with Chanel. We don't care. And then, our, and then we had another one really early on, which was with Avon, where I had to dye my hair with these home dye kits, which now that I'm 15 years older than that, I would never dream of doing because, it's, you know what I mean? There's so much error for me to screw that up, Louise. But it was, I think, that we quickly learned the jobs to pick and the jobs to turn down. And that was always something that Nick and I, were really careful to do which was if it's something you would spend your money on and it's something that's actually added value to the person that's watching you know i.e i think they'll like it too then that might be something that we would agree to promote but we turned down so much stuff
0: actually that must be really difficult because when on one hand you know you're first of all you're making money out of it and you're probably being gifted stuff which to start with was probably i would be really excited about that But then you must, as you say, almost get to a point where you're like, hang on, we can't just keep jumping. Because there's a niche, isn't there, with everything. And I guess you had your values and it must have been difficult at times to go, no, we're going to say no to that because that's not what we are about. And if we do that, we're going to be down a rabbit hole of something that we're not actually that into. It Um, wasn't actually
1: that difficult to turn stuff down because there was, I'm going to sound like such an egotistical prick here, but but because there was a queue of people offering to pay us stuff. So we really were in a position to pick and choose the things that we really liked. It was like, that doesn't really fit with what we're doing, or I don't really like that, or I don't like the ethics of this brand. It was very easy at that point to say no. And especially because I don't think, certainly not at that time, we weren't really that motivated by the money because we had way more than we'd ever had in our lives. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't the case. We're probably not the best business people who would just go make the money. We were like, holy shit, we've just made more money than we would have done in a day, in a whole month. So yeah, I think we were really careful, but I don't regret any of those choices at all. And actually, Mm. I learned an awful lot from that. Let's say that when you're on YouTube and you're an influencer and everyone's 100% engaged, you have 100% power or star power or whatever, right? Every time you team up with a brand and they pay you to do something, you give away a little bit, a little percentage of that. A little bit of your shine rubs off every time you do it, whether you love that product or if you are someone else and you agree to do it and you don't love that product, you lose a little bit more of your shine, right? Every single time you do it. So you are limited to the amount of times you can promote this moisturizer and this moisturizer from a different brand, but I love them both. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because everything is a conflict. And so for us, what worked really well and what I would always advise people to do is get a long-lasting partnership with a brand. Nick and I had Real Techniques, which for 10 years, we loved that brand. We nurtured that brand. We really cared about it. We went out of our way to go above and beyond for that brand, really, because every time we picked up one of those brushes, every time we used one of these brushes in a video, people would identify it and know that's yours. It's fine. We didn't even have to say this is one of our brushes because everybody knew because our names were on the brush. Everyone knew that it was. Even though we weren't getting paid every time we mentioned the brushes, we were getting paid overall by the company. Do you see what I mean? So it meant that we didn't have to make our money from doing all those other things because we had this one thing that was a big thing that we just put all of our work into.
0: And do you think that's, where I guess we are seeing this happen, but that's where social media is going to go. It's going to be more about using influencers or experts to have this longevity of a partnership so that they could say, we're aligned with this person. They've bought into our values. There's a bit more exclusivity. They're not going to start bouncing off and saying, yeah, this brush is great. Oh, but by the way, I've used this brush as well. Do you think that's the way it's going or do you feel it's going to fizzle out? I guess it will eventually, but understand what your thoughts are around that, really.
1: I feel like all of those things will happen. I feel like the influencer as we know it now feels very dated to me. I'll click on, I'll see someone showing me their outfits and I'm like, what's the added value here? You're just saying that I can go and buy this stuff, but I won't look like you in it because you don't look yeah. like you in it, because this is filtered fuck. But that's just me because I know what really goes on. Yeah. But I think everyone knows what really goes on now. I think that you will see a drop-off of that kind of really curated, edited influencer, because if we wanted that, now there's just celebrities that do it online. So why yeah, wouldn't you just follow Holly Willoughby, who looks great in her clothes and her clothes are affordable, And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Alison Hammond, for example, who's a perfect example of somebody who has always been real throughout her TV career and is still real as somebody online who crosses over as an influencer, I suppose now, right? So I think that you will see the end of that really created and curated. And sometimes it feels very shallow and hollow. I think that will fizzle out. I think any brands who are smart will team up with one person who has the right kind of thick for them. Yeah, or credentials. Or credentials, whatever yeah, it is. Got, I think yeah. that whatever it is that you're looking for, you're really smart. Because just in the same way that for an influencer, a little bit of their shine goes, every time you put your product into someone else's hands, no one believes that you haven't paid to put it in their hands, right? And yes, so yeah. it's really important that people build long relationships with people that can have Credibility and trustworthiness and likability, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think from my viewpoint, get frustrated and have got frustrated when you can just tell that somebody has literally decided, almost woken up, and gone, I'm going to be an influencer. Yeah. And no doubt they've probably worked really hard. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure you'll tell us that it's not all glamorous stuff, it's hard work 24 yeah. 7 exhausting i'm sure no ability to switch off but they've decided that's what they're going to do and they'll go i know i'll do beauty or i'll do skincare and then they'll proceed to teach everybody with no qualifications mm. with no background and i'm i've been around for 26 years but i'm still learning there is new research there's new evidence new science all day every day but yet these people have no, no nothing behind them to actually back up what they're saying. So that was always my frustration with that. And it's powerful. Clients would listen. They would come in and go, yeah, but I'm using that because such and such said, and I'm like, oh, yes, but they haven't seen your skin and so it's frustrating, but I do think that is starting to get a bit better because the viewer, the consumer, as you said, thankfully, they're wise to it and they're understanding that, oh, hang on a minute, they are like her, but actually she doesn't really know what she's talking about. So there is a bit of a transfer as well, I think, isn't there, with influencers that are actually now experts, that are doctors or dentists that are qualified to talk about what they're talking about. I'm just going to interrupt your listening there for a few minutes because I am so excited, beyond excited, to let you know that we have managed to launch our second product in the Louise Thomas skincare range. If you hang on all the way to the end and the fly on the wall section, you'll hear a little bit more about this journey and then you'll understand it's been quite that journey. So let me tell you a bit about the hydrator. Well, it is a hybrid moisturizer giving you 365 days of luminosity to your skin. And when I say hybrid, what I mean by that is that it has some really beautiful, almost serum-like actives within your moisturiser, making it a great product, a cost-effective way of delivering really nice uh, botanicals and active ingredients to your skin, coupled with some great hydration. It's a 24-hour cream, so you can use it morning and evening. You will, of course, need to put your sunscreen over the top in the morning. And it contains Tasman pepperberry, which is protecting, calming and great for sensitised skin. I've also chosen a really superior form of vitamin C which offers exceptional absorption resulting in radiance and a brighter complexion. And of course, like the cleanser, it's developed with our unique moisturizing complex that means that when you use this, it supports that all important lipid barrier that I am obsessed with as a skin health expert and always talking to my clients about. We need to build and replace those amazing barrier lipids for the skin to be able to thrive and function. We're really proud that this product is made in the UK and it's also vegan friendly too. So if you're a vegan, you're going to love it. You can shop the hydrator at louisethomasskincare.co.uk. Just touching on that, talking about the exhaustion side of it, were there times at the real height where you felt like you were burning out, you couldn't switch off, you were pressured to, I've got to do content? Like, what am I going to film today?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, what, 12-year career? I went through all of the emotions. Of course, there was also personal life. And the thing with the social media is that it is a 24-7 job because when the UK's asleep, the US is awake or someone else is awake and wants their questions answered. And I've always been, and Nick, we've always been quite diligent trying to answer questions. And I would put the questions ahead of the questions that people in my family would ask. So it took a long time. Now I don't necessarily answer them. Sometimes I don't work in social media as such. So even though I still have a following, it's not my job at the moment. And so I'm just like, do you know what? There's millions of people that will answer this for you. And so if it's an easy one to answer, I'll do it. But you have to put those boundaries in there to protect yourself. There was times that I had a consultation for a nose job, which I never did. But that was just because people told me that I needed one. Do you know what I mean? Which it sounds ridiculous, because if you know me, it's so hard to think that I would ever be really particularly swayed by that. But in the early days, I wasn't used to looking at myself on camera. And so actually, the strength that I have now (laughs) has grown out of that place. It wasn't there initially. And there was times when I was having to fake that I was okay when I really wasn't. There was a period of probably, I would say, four years where I had really pretty bad anxiety and then depression. And It wasn't like that was that didn't come about because I was doing social media. I always had all those things were always there just waiting to pop up. But social media didn't help the situation because people don't want to watch someone be depressed. They want to watch bubbly and they want to feel good. And you feel inclined to mask it because that's what people want to see. Those were the times that were difficult. But then there were so many positive times. There were so many great connections and it's easy to focus on the negatives. But my God overall overall 97% a wonderful experience that was life changing for me
0: and has said about connections there i'm sure has probably brought you some amazing true friends hopefully people that you're still in contact yeah. with that maybe you would never have met had you not done that ah oh, yeah i think it's small amount that I do. And I've always been somebody, I love this stuff. I've no issue with get me in front of a camera. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Hands up. Always been a show off. Love it. But I choose to portray and use social media as a positive, upbeat place. But the downside to that, and I'm not saying that I'm not poo-pooing anybody with true mental health issues, is that friends or family will look at social and go, oh, she's all right. She's doing that. And you must have got that as well. They actually don't bother to call you and go, how are you? Are you all right? Because they've gone, oh, she's fine. She's just uploaded a video on Instagram. So she must be all right. But you can see how that would turn into, as you say, people masking because it's like jazz hands, everything's fine. But actually, do you know what I could do with the chat right now? But people are so used to just looking on social at how you are as opposed to... And I think I'm
1: very lucky because... My closest friends do not work in social media and I don't get to see them that much. And so when they did see me during that period, they were all really worried about how thin I'd got because they've known me forever and I've never been like that. So they were like, and you don't see yourself at all. So I think that my true friends were really concerned about it. But on social media, all I ever got was compliments about losing weight. And it wasn't like that that made me feel good. It didn't make me feel good. Nothing made me feel good. But everyone's telling you, you look great, but inside you're just, it's the worst thing ever. So it's very strange. I often say that when we talk about mental health that at my thinnest, when everyone considered me to look my best was when I felt my worst and I was definitely the most ill I've ever been in my life. But it's just one of those things that I think that we should be, and I'm very conscious about it, that I don't like to comment on weight at all. People would tell me when I put on weight, they'd tell me when I lost weight. I'm supposed to be happy when you tell me that I've lost weight. I'm not happy either way because actually I'm here talking about makeup and I didn't invite that conversation. And I understand that frequently that stuff comes from a really nice place. And sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of the time it does. But I just think that I'm really happy that social media is addressing the fact that those things actually aren't okay. And social media is now has now got so much better with being a positive place to be if you're anything other than a size zero. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot more, again, goes back to being accepting, but authentic as well. And just, yeah, really transparent, thankfully. I cannot have you on the this podcast without, of course, talking about makeup. So of which I am rubbish at. I can remember the tiny little bit that I did at college as part of my beauty therapy course. And remember literally hating every single second of it. I'm going to pick your brains if that's (laughs) all right. But So uh, most of my target market is mid-30s upwards. However, just in case there's a smattering of younger people listening, it would be really nice if you could give us some sort of quick tips or any kind of bits of advice along the way for those sort of different age groups. So anything in your 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s, If there were like things that you just don't ever do that or do make sure you do that when it comes to makeup, because for me, it's very much skin focused and it's about, I don't want to look like I'm wearing makeup, but of course you want to be the best version of yourself. But I also get stuck with, I can't do that now. I'm nearly 45. I can't try that. And then I don't do it because I just would make a mess.
1: I personally think that a lot of the advice is the same advice, depending on whatever age you are. My number one piece of advice would be to sort your skincare out. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on here. I'm absolutely (laughs) hopeless with skincare, which is why I come to you. But it makes it so much easier for me as a makeup artist to work with somebody who's really worked on their skin. And it makes it easier for you at home if you don't have a makeup artist to work products over the top. My second top tip. So let's start from the ground up. Second top tip is to make sure you're wearing a foundation that's suitable for your skin type. So if you've got oily skin and you want the foundation to look matte, pick a mattifying foundation. Make sure you're picking correct foundation for you. It may be that you have an oily skin, but you still want a dewy finish. That's fine. There's foundations for that as well. But there is a foundation for whatever finish you want. Don't just pick the foundation because it looked good on your friend. Like everyone loves Estee Lauder double wear, but that yeah. is a very heavy foundation. It's not for everyone, but everybody loves Well, everyone wears it. it. Doesn't mean they love it. They just, it's just inherited from your grand to your mum to you, kind of thing. And on some people, it's incredible, but not on everyone. Yeah,
0: it's really tough to get off, let me tell you. I've thrown Tows. towels away because of yes. that stuff.
1: <laughs> totally. Of stuff.
0: But I was also just thinking about when you choose a foundation. See, I would also—it's just obviously the color is important, but it's just got to be about the color. But actually, I wouldn't necessarily think stupidly about. Of, yeah, of course, you need to think about: Are you dry totally. skin? Are you oily? What kind of finish do you want?
1: I mean, often a really good way to tell is that quite often you'll look at the bottle of a foundation and it will have frosted glass. If it's got frosted glass, most of the time it's matte or semi-matte. And if it's got ah, clear glass, a lot of the time it might be more of a dewy finish. Well, that's a little gem. Brilliant. If you can't tell, have a look at the glass, and that's something. That, not all the time, but ninety percent of the time, that's the way it is. So, other things, other tips. I'm really careful with putting restrictions on people depending on their age because everybody's face is different. I can't see everyone's face. It's going to be completely different depending on who you are. Some people say don't wear shimmery eye shadows if you're of a certain age and you've got crepiness in your eyelids. But you might have perfectly great eyelids that you want to put shimmer on. I'm really careful about rules. I think there are certain things that you should be careful of. But this is, again, across all ages. I think contouring, contouring, sculpting the face is a very slippery slope. You have to be incredibly careful and you have to be really good at it to get it to look good in daylight because what we see in front of the mirror is not what happens when you go outside. And contouring contouring, and also highlighting, highlighting as well, highlighting with a very shimmery powder. I would almost always go for a cream shimmer because I think it's softer and I tend not to go for ones that have glittery particles in. It's much more of a sheen. So if you want to highlight on the skin, it's more of a sheen than it is like a glitter sparkle. Because it's just a more flattering, more realistic skin look that you get. And
0: highlighters, they need to obviously go on areas that you want to make pop or obviously to highlight. So
1: bones. It's the areas you want to lift. So you're going to go tops of cheekbones. You're going to go brow bone. Sometimes people put a tiny bit through here, but really minute. Some people pop a little bit on the end of their nose. It really depends, but I wouldn't use a sparkly shimmer for any of this. That needs to be just a sheen. Some people put it here. Some people put it here. It's really wherever you want to lift, but you don't have to put it everywhere. But for me, I think whatever age you are, although I absolutely love makeup and I really love the smoky eye and I really like a strong lip. And from time to time, I wear them both together, but I think my top tip is to make sure you leave something off. So, let's say I'm going to wear a strong lip and a strong eye. I might just put like a found I might just put a moisturizer on my skin so that my skin you still see the coloration and the texture underneath. Unless I had a lot of really high color, then I would cover it with a concealer. But I think that if you go full okay. foundation, full eye, full lip, it's going to look like a lot. So, my top tip is leave something off, whatever it is. So whether it's the lip or the eye or the brows or the skin, just leave something off.
0: Okay, that's good. Yeah, I like that. And what about, is there a thing with like blush colours as you get older? Like I've heard some people go, oh, you need to go for peachy blush. You get to a certain age. Is that just a load of old rubbish? And again, it just depends on what you want.
1: I think that would only work if every single person on earth had the same skin tone, which is just not the case. (laughs) So it really is like, um, some tips I would say if you do like a pink blush, wear it higher up on the cheekbone because it just looks nicer higher up. Okay. It's fresher, it's more lifted. If you wear it on the cheeks, it's quite aging. So, that's if you're wearing yeah. like a baby pink blush, if you happen to like that. But generally, as I said, I think it's just whatever floats your boat, really. And is there a sort of a desert island
0: product? It doesn't need to be a brand, but if you, something you're like, oh my goodness, that would have to be the makeup. Product or thing that I would have to have with me.
1: It's very difficult because I'm very dark under my eyes so I always wear concealer and I really like it. I love the beauty pie. I have it right here. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I saw you put
0: that on the other week and you've just reminded me I need to get hold of something.
1: Is it? It's a powder, isn't it? No, it's not. It's a cream. Oh, isn't it? Ah. I love this. It comes in two shades. This one is the light medium. I don't know if you can see. I've used loads ah. of it. Ah it is a cream it's like a concealer you need the tiniest bit and then you just put it it really is very light reflective so it's really going to lift the area you can use it as a highlight as well on the cheekbone it's really good so that or a concealer is very difficult with a desert island because really the thing that I think that I probably need more than anything is a lip balm and I cannot bear my lips (sighs) being dry I can't bear it. Yeah. I can't cope. It just, it's like next level. <laughs> so I would probably, it would probably be a lip balm before it was anything else.
0: Oh, brilliant. Okay. With some sunscreen, obviously, depending on.
1: Oh my God. I do love that Medicaid sunscreen. Where's that? I haven't got it with me, but it's a, it's a white tube. It's, is it called everyday sunscreen or something like that? Do you know the one I mean? Yeah, it's a so total I, that's daily, it. That's isn't it. it? total daily. Yeah. yeah, it's a factor 30. I mean, I have very dry skin, but I just, it gives me a really nice sheen as well as being an SPF. I'm
0: mad on it. It's almost like a really good primer, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, it's good. It is good. We've pulled it back to skincare, which is brilliant. So one thing that I always ask everybody, I'm fascinated by people's kind of rituals or anything they observed growing up that, Kind of your mum did so. My mum, I can remember her. It was obviously quite expensive this cream, and I think we used to buy it for sort of Christmas or birthdays. And she would oh take her makeup off with baby lotion and beat cotton wool pads as you do. Uh, But then she would put on this cream, and I'd just sit there watching her do this weird contorted facial mass. Her skin is great, so clearly some of it has worked. But yeah, I'm just intrigued to know was there anything growing up that. Kind of influenced you and maybe you go oh god yeah I'd still do that or things that you're like oh my god I'm never gonna do that that's a really bad
1: you've met my <laughs> yeah, mom bad skin I you've have you've met my mum, and she has, she's lovely she naturally has great skin which is fortunate for her because she hadn't done a single thing with it <laughs> like my whole growing up life mum barely wore any makeup like I would literally go and nick my mum's mascara and it would be like this shriveled up dried up nothing on the brush oh, I'm like what? brilliant she's mum is not <laughs> there with the skincare or the makeup let's be honest (laughs) so she had a really good fragrance collection though that was her thing but she just she yeah I didn't learn anything from mum I think the only thing I remember her actually doing was she had these face pad things that she'd stick on her face and they'd plug into this, I don't know, this like electric box and her whole face would just... The whole face. Like
2: oh, Ferradic. It... Whatever it's it was, current. I have
1: no idea. So I'd be talking to her, her face would be twitching, her eyes would be... <laughs> Ask my sister, she'll say the same thing like that it was just so disturbing louise
0: oh that's hilarious we used to we were taught that at college really i can remember that at college yeah and we used to be really like naughty with it and stick it on like we put it on during like a theory lesson yeah and then somebody's shoulder would (laughs) start but oh no they've plugged themselves into the Faradic machine oh that's hilarious do you think that even would work it is stimulated. Literally, microcurrent has almost taken over from that really now. And then there's, do you remember Slender Tone? That was a brand. That was the body ones, wasn't it, that you stuck on them. your abs? I have
1: them. Have During you? <laughs> lockdown, when I was doing nothing apart from laying on the bed, wearing pants and eating crisps, I decided that what I would do is wear slender tone pants and a slender tone belt to counteract the, the lack I've of activity. It didn't work. It didn't work, Louise. That's why I now go to the oh. gym five days a week oh, to try and pull is it back. Oh,
0: that's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, Sam, this has been fantastic. Thank you so, so much no for worries. being really generous with your time, but also just sharing and being really honest about the highs and lows. Although, like you say, overall, general highs of your career. I normally put in show notes where people can find you. Do you want people to find
1: you? Yeah, you, like you can them to find you? You can just stick my Instagram in. That's the only place I really am now. Yeah, Although I don't post very much. But if you're desperate, if you really can't find anyone else to answer your makeup problems, then if you DM me, but you DM me and you title it Louise's Podcast, I'll know to actually oh. answer those questions. oh that's very kind thank you
0: as always hugely grateful for your support and your energy yeah brilliant thanks
1: louise that's wicked
0: coming next it's the fly on the wall Oh, Emma, it is lovely to to, uh, chat to you. And this is is nice because it's been a little while since we've caught up about your skin health journey anyway. So, um, but just thinking back, when you first came to see me, I'm trying to think of what was that Reasoning Was was there, what were we trying to treat back there in terms of, you know, anything that you were trying to get on top of and that we were working towards? Oh, my gosh. Now, now you're I'm... asking. <laughs> on,
2: remember, I've got menopause brain now. <laughs> oh, well, so. you've given us a little bit of an <laughs> yes. indicator there as to your age, so, so,
0: which is well, useful as well for people listening.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm nearly there. I don't know, but anyway. Um oh my so I think I came because I wanted to see you to yes. have the light therapy because Susie had said about it. And I can't remember at that point I think I was just having quite a lot of breakouts.
0: Yeah. I I think I remember that your skin yeah was it was quite stressed, wasn't it? And and you were getting quite a lot of sort of cystic outbreaks yes, yeah. along the jawline. And there is a, I think with you as well, when you're tired and when you're stressed, some people, it shows in their skin in terms mm. of that sort of lack of oxygen. So I, mm. I remember chatting to you about that and saying that yeah. that was another thing that the LED light therapy would really help with because it's almost like plugging your cells in. It's recharging your skin cells and energizing them. Um so yeah, I remember now that yes, it was it yeah. was sort of getting on top of those out outbreaks, wasn't it? And then we we got you onto a routine with skincare. And that's chopped and changed quite a lot over the years actually, hasn't it?
2: Yes, it has. Yeah, yeah, it has. And I do think my skin, as much as I'm probably entering a new phase, I do think largely We've got completely on top of it because actually you're right. Thinking back, it was, I was having quite a lot of spots and a lot of outbreaks and actually I don't have – that now I might like all of us if you get a bit run down or uh, you know I'll have some odd bits that will come up and I'll have a face but nothing like it used to be and in fact look so much so I've forgotten that that was actually the reason why but there was there was a lot yeah yeah it was a lot all going on in my face so
0: yeah I oh, will I mean that's yeah that's a, that's a huge positive and and so in terms of what's happening at the moment Emma and I know you've you've had a you've been away recently so you've had a flight and you've had a changing mm. kind of climate as well but if we were to put that aside what's your kind of routine with your skin morning and night are you are you sort of dipping in and out of things or are you using the same things morning and night at the moment kind of coming into the winter here in the UK
2: still um sticking to the same I mean I think we briefly spoke didn't we so I've mixed it up a tiny bit and I've got the new fabulous um Louise Thomas uh, skincare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 Shameless yeah. plug, yeah. which yeah. is this whole podcast, is shamelessly <laughs> so plugging. I've got that for the evening, the nourishing <laughs> cream. But um, so I still do in the morning, cleanse. I use a serum, vitamin C serum. Then I use eye cream. Obviously, the eye cream too. And it oh, so yeah. I use a day. I use an eye cream. Then I follow it with. Um, and you'll remember, I'm hopeless at remembering all the names. But um, I'll I'll use a daytime cream with a factor thirty in it.
1: So yes. that's my daytime,
2: yeah. and then in the evening, I'll then double cleanse. Always double cleanse. I don't think I used to do that till I met you. And even my husband used to say to me, "You're not washing your face enough." And I, and <laughs> and even he said that. And so Brilliant. double cleansing, I think, has sorted my life out a bit more actually. And then um, so double cleanse. Then I what do I do in the evening? And then another evening eye cream and then an evening nourishing cream on overnight. And sometimes because retinol, yeah. sometimes I get the spots around my nose and it can be a bit tricky. So it depends how brave or whether I feel I need it. But most of the time I'll stick to that. I don't put a serum on overnight.
0: Yeah, no, that and that's very true with you because there was definitely you know, we we sort of wanted to dip our toe into retinol, didn't we? But it took Mm. us quite a while to find the right molecule for you. And this goes back to, you know, it's calmed down a little bit, if I'm honest, but there was a a phase where everybody was going nuts with retinol and whether they needed it or not, everybody wanted to use it. And I get it because it's, you know, it has so much amazing clinical data. It's well proven in its effects, but it isn't for everybody. Or you just mm, have mm. to spend a bit of time finding that right formulation. And I think for you, it was that. It was not necessarily the actual, you know, the retinal molecule or the derivative that was causing the issue. It was kind of what it was housed in. So I think for you, it's still very relevant because it brings about that repair, that regeneration, that rejuvenation. But, but you're right. With you, it's about let's, sort of dip in and out of that it might be that for you you can't or don't need to use that every single night um so either we put you on a really low level that you can use say every other night or we give you a slightly higher level but we're using it more of as a you know a treatment product perhaps once or twice a week rather than it being something really regular in your in your routine whereas I still feel there's a lot of value to your skin Mm, with vitamin mm. C. So having that serum going on, you know, isolating that active in the morning, vitamin C being the one that's all about collagen induction, but it's whitening and brightening, it's cell protecting, um, you know, it brings that sort of antioxidant protection in as well, um, is, is pretty vital when you're trying to, clear up any post outbreak scarring, but, but also just, you know, moving and changing through seasons for you. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's a pretty vital one. And the nice thing about that hydrator (laughs) you're using is that there is, (laughs) is that because it's a hybrid, there is a healthy dose of vitamin C in that as well. So actually for you using that at night, yes, it is a hydrator as the name suggests, but it's bringing to you a level of vitamin C. It's got the Tasman pepperberry, which is really desensitising and again quite protecting yeah. for the skin. So yeah, and and you've got that really nice balance with your eye products as well. Yeah. It's Jane yes. Scrivener, isn't it? We've yeah. got you on. I think for for eye, yeah. you use both of hers. Yeah,
2: which is and great. And so in addition, I mean that's general. I mean, even if I'm absolutely on the floor tired or drunk. Um, or... <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, Either or, um, I will, or not very well, I will still do all of that to my face in the morning and in the evening. And I think it's part of my, I just feel so guilty if I don't do it. And I worry, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I do think it's good for me, even though I'm shattered. And I think it's good it's a good teaching method for my kids as well. So both of mine, well, sixteen year old sons a little bit hit and miss, but uh Jemima definitely pays a lot of attention to her skin, which I'm sure I didn't used to do at eight and well, she's now nineteen. Um, uh, um so you know, it's I think it's just a good practice to get into and it's part of my yeah. bedtime routine.
0: Yeah, well that's that's Really brilliant to hear. And it's almost for me, it's like a cleaning your teeth thing. Yeah. 100%. You know if you have got into bed and you haven't cleaned your teeth <gasps> and you're like, oh awful. can I oh no oh, I can't do no, it. I've gotta no. I've gotta it just doesn't feel right. I've gotta get out and clean my teeth before I go to bed or the other way around, like in the morning. Um yeah. so so that's really good. If it just if it feels a bit uncomfortable that you haven't done your routine, then then that's brilliant. And especially, you know, if we if we bring it back to the very basic levels of the fact that, you know, if you wanna coin it self-care, well, yes, it is that. Mm, but mm. it is about just giving you know, there's something wrong if you can't give yourself two to five minutes morning and night. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be. Yeah. But um you're right, you you owe that to yourself, don't need to do that. So Yeah. 100%. Do you are you um because we got you also, I think this was during the pandemic, wasn't it? During those lockdowns, we got you using a home LED device as well. Are you are you using that as much and doing weekly treatments or not so much?
2: Yeah, so that's, that's the thing that I was going to say next is that as part of, I mean, life is very, very chaotic in our house, and I'm sure it is in a lot of people's houses too. Um, but trying to eke some time out to do anything where... It's just for me is quite hard. Um, So the light treat the LED light gets used. I think I say this to you a lot when I saw you last, it gets used by everyone in the house um, and even my husband. And um, brilliant. I know. And I and it's part of that. It's probably only once a week. But I, at times, if I can, I'll do it every other night. But it, it, it just is time dependent. But um, yeah. and there was a time when Jemima and I used to fight over it. So because we both <laughs> wanted it on the same night. But um, I think really I try and do it once a week, and that's when I will then do a nice double cleanse a different cleanser then i'll use you know and and i'll mix it up a bit and then i'll do an exfoliate and and then i'll do the jane scrivener mask um and then i'll do some face light and i and i love it because i put the face light on and i just have Ten minutes I put some really good chill tunes on and I lay on the bed and it makes me stop I mean Jemima actually she multitasks when she does hers; she'll be doing whatever but I make sure I zone out for 10 minutes so it's mega I love it I'd be lost without it I would always buy another one um and I wasn't quite sure whether that's still the best on the market or whatever but I still use it and I yeah and I love it
0: yeah, oh no that's really good to hear. And and of course just going back to that light therapy even though at home devices often will give you slightly lower levels of energy mm. than obviously I can use in in treatment they are they are still really valuable. There's a lot out there that I think are very overpriced. Mm. They don't need to be that expensive because they're not necessarily any better because they're you know more expensive. And there are, of course, mm. you know, you've got the other end of the scale where actually they're not isolating the the wavelengths of light that are truly beneficial to skin. So so you know it is one of those things that you do need to get a little bit of advice around yeah. which one yeah. to go for. But it is accumulative. You know, the more you use it, the more benefit It will have, of course, because that that energy, if we if we go back to what we're saying about plugging your cells in, it will just build up within the cells. It's like you are, as I say, recharging those cells, recharging the batteries within the skin. So Mm. I'm really pleased that you've all got a lot of good value from that. So price per use for you guys is just is brilliant. You know, even though that's calmed down a little bit, you've I know that, yeah, you've you've used that a lot. So
2: if I've got some time or a night in. That will be the first thing on my brain is, right, when can I get upstairs and get my pyjamas oh. on and, and, <laughs> and pop that on? And then, oh, yeah, definitely. it's so it's, it's been a really good – and that was through your advice and actually a really good thing not only for my skin but just to make me sit down for 10 minutes. Yeah. Which absolutely. Pathetic, but
0: No, I mean, no, it really doesn't. And I think as much as you can multitask with those things on, I think you're absolutely right, Emma, to make sure that you actually stop. Mm. I mean, again, it's 10 minutes and I it's know. crazy. <laughs> when you look at that, you go, oh my God, I haven't got time to do that. And you go, wow, well, how sad is that? That yeah. out of 24 hours, I can't spare let's face it, probably 10 to 20 minutes by the time you've cleansed your skin Mm, and whatever. mm. So I think um, even just to check in with yourself and go, come on, (laughs) it's 20 minutes. Let's not be silly about this is, um, yeah, is really, really positive. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's fantastic. And and it sounds like that routine is, yeah, is working really well. I think the only thing that we could potentially have a look at then coming into winter is just to observe the hydration of Mm. your skin, how you know how that barrier is um is functioning and you know it's always good to maybe swap up serums a little bit so um that's something we could maybe look at that vitamin c serum in the morning do we still keep you with that but do we maybe alternate that every other day and bring in some peptides or bring in some hyaluronic and again isolate a few sort of um actives for morning might be might be really nice to sort of make sure that we're ticking the hydration and the barrier building blocks for winter as well but um but otherwise, I think yeah, it sounds and and looks like it's um, yeah, it's all working, which is fab.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I but then I've also got to factor in that I am going to start getting some hormonal spots, and and there's a whole other new era coming in. I think, and so I've just got to be a bit mindful of of that and and how I can best it. I'm a picker, and that's my problem as well. Is that I need to stay away. Yeah, well and actually that's just reminded me
0: of another another reason for you to use vitamin C and peptides mm. is that it will assist with the healing. Because I think I remember that for you, your healing can be a bit slow. Yes. That's probably got better, but again, because of the light and because of sort of building in a bit of retinal. But I think that again for you, if if you know that you know, if anybody's listening and they're aware that they have a poor healing response, that again is where things like vitamin C and peptides can be really useful. Mm. I mean, it's it's good to look within, of course, as well, because healing doesn't just start topically, does it? It starts from within. Yeah. So I think it's a, a good opportunity to look at, you know, all your collagen building foods in your diet, your greens, um, you know, all those kind of dark leafy greens or um your your sort of your fruits in terms of your citrus fruits, etc. Um, but yeah, have a think about how does my skin heal post you know, if I've cut myself or if I've got an outbreak, and then that will also help determine those actives that um, would be good topically as well.
2: Yeah, I think oh and the other thing I was gonna say actually is I used to have some age spots on my face and since, you know, since I don't it's obviously a combination of everything that I've used over the years, which has been a while now isn't it Louise you know but yeah. but and the light therapy as well that I have at home or if I've come in and seen you I haven't got them anymore and um, that's brilliant it's incredible because I think this got brought up in a conversation with a group of my friends who I couldn't make the dinner the other night and they were all saying is it worth treating age spots and if I was there I'd have said a billion percent do whatever i'm doing because they they've they've gone i had some on my nose i you know and it has definitely whatever i don't know you you tell me i don't know what it is that makes them disappear
0: yeah i mean do you know what that and that is really um that's really good to hear because pigment is really hard to treat and mm. you have to be very honest with your approach with pigment because Depending on what's caused it, if it's a systemic reason and it's, you know, melanin as a substance, the, the stuff that turns your, changes the colour of your skin is really heavy. So if that leaks down into the dermis, that's really hard. It's yeah. not game over, but it's, it's pretty much game over. It's really, really tough to treat. But if you're talking about that more superficial sun induced stuff, Mm-mm. then it is about how can we prevent it from getting any worse? Well, that's to do with sun exposure and SPF, et cetera. Mm. But also being realistic with it's not going to go overnight, but consistency, which is what you've been doing, yeah. is key. Yeah. So that combination of light, of actives, of sun care and that regular routine you were talking about, there is a very, very good chance that you can you know, reverse that and soften that and lift that. Mm -hmm. And of course, we could go further in treatment. You know, we could do quite deep peels. We could build retinol into the peels. We could do microneedling. We could do intense course of light. So it's not all lost, but I think you've just got to be really realistic with that but that's great to hear that you've noticed that um improvement that's fab yeah
2: no it really has so yeah so i not much to complain about other than just i've had got a bit of a cold so um yeah i've got a few a couple of spots but that's it it's kind of generally pretty good
0: fantastic oh thanks so much for talking to me emma i really appreciate it pleasure Thank you so much to Sam for today's conversation and to all of my guests for series two. I think you'll agree we have had quite a uh, cross section variety of uh, people to chat to again of which I've been absolutely delighted. And I really do hope that there have been some snippets of information that have filled you with information and empowered you to take control of your skin health. That's the mission. That's my mission is to educate you all in your own skin health from that three-dimensional approach that I'm really passionate about. So thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please do subscribe. I will be bringing back a new series, um, albeit in the new year. Um, But for now, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, see you soon.